This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome to this uh, Thanksgiving Eve edition of the Brian Kilmeade Show. We have Susan Lee to make heads or tails of our economy. Uh, that's at the bottom of the hour. We did not get a great jobs number. I think 770,000 jobless claims made, higher than expected, way too high overall. We need a stimulus package in between. Uh, meanwhile, a lot of you are saying, the heck with all these restrictions. I'm going to see my family. It's been eight months. You told me it'll be about three weeks to bend the curve. We bent the curve. Now it's going up again, like it is around the world. And I'm going. 6.3 million people will travel by plane, let alone alone countless in their cars uh, and many more in trains. Uh, They're going to spend Thanksgiving. It's about 50 percent off from what it normally is. And a lot of people in these governors in particular are saying you better not travel. With me, I'm saying it's a risk, but all of us should be able to take their own risk. The Texas style as opposed to the New York style. That's for me anyway. Uh, So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. This is not a third Obama term because there's we, we face a totally different world than we faced in the Obama-Biden administration. President Trump has changed the landscape. It's become uh, America first, which meant America alone. Uh, it's not America alone. It was America first doesn't mean America alone, but that's his view and He looks like he is president-elect, even though only 3% of Trump supporters look at him as legitimate. Uh, The Biden team is forming and saying goodbye to America first. Hello to a third Obama term. I'm not looking for a third Obama term. Plus, John Kerry's climate pledge spells, spells disaster. And he needs a reality check again. Number two. And there are other studies from health economics done in France. They looked at 188 countries. Mm -hmm. It's clear lockdowns simply don't work, and all they do is damage the economy. But they don't prevent the spread of the virus. No kidding. Dr. Amino Sacco on uh, Laura Ingram last night talking about lockdowns without the logic spawn outrage from coast to coast. As virus uh, rises and the vaccine date is finally set, why is it necessary to kill business and livelihoods while we wait a couple of weeks for viruses to be distributed? Number one. The way they question President Trump at some of these press conferences is just I've never heard that tone with the president. There are reporters who just are unprofessional, don't know the facts, and uh, ask really biased questions. It's unbelievable that uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo, his other side of his personality, points out what we've been pointing out. I've never heard such anger from a press corps. Trump in action from parting Flynn to Corn and Cobb. Meanwhile, in our tribal acknowledges what we all know. Governor Cuomo, media bias against Trump is like nothing we've ever seen before, but it hasn't stopped the president uh, from taking action. It looks like he's going to pardon Michael Flynn. That is great. He's been four years of hell. He has to rebuild his life, was waiting to do it through the courts. And uh, sadly, the courts were waiting to see if he was going to get reelected. And right now, it does not look that way. President also making some more pardons and telling uh, confidants that he plans on still fighting. In fact, there's a report today that he's going to go to Pennsylvania for one of the hearings. But it looks like they're all certifying from Michigan 
uh, Wisconsin doing a recount at $3 million a hit uh, to uh, Pennsylvania are beginning to certify. So that really puts this whole election out of reach. I could not believe, though, the polls show that 73% of Trump supporters consider Trump the legitimate winner. Only 3% accept Biden's victory. 3%, 24% are not sure. Now, should the president concede, they asked Trump supporters? 66% think he should never, ever concede. 31% want the president to fight in court. And only 3% say Trump should concede to Biden. Will Trump voters give Biden a chance as president? 81% uh, say they will not. One thing the Republicans should focus on they got to get those uh, those Georgia seats and find out what went wrong with the mail-in balloting. So whether it was loose criteria when they did arrive or whether it was not trying to solicit them, the thing that throws everybody is the president won for those people who came to show up on Election Day, the way it's traditionally done. But when it's all tallied, he lost Arizona, he lost Michigan, he lost Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, all states that he uh, won last time. And that is indeed the problem. So here is uh, the media uh, and the president. The president has totally changed his tone. He is ticked off, and he's ticked off at the media, the forces against him, and he could see it. Listen to him yesterday. Take to the microphone, call a press conference. The place is pretty jammed, and he says this. Cut five. Uh, the stock market's just broken 30,000. Never been broken, that number. Uh, that's the ninth time since uh, the beginning of 2020, and it's the 48th time that we've broken records in during the Trump administration. Well, some say Janet Yellen being the Secretary of Treasury and not Elizabeth Warren did it. That plays into it. But the fact that he went flying over 30,000 has a lot to do with warp speed, and that is the vaccine. So for those people who are on the Trump team and the Trump supporters to quickly acknowledge Joe Biden, you could do that. But don't, don't think that we don't remember 2016. When your tone was this, when President Trump ran away with that election, cut eight. Do you agree that Donald Trump is, in effect, not a legitimate president? I think that there's no question that the process that elected him was not legitimate. The president-elect, although legally elected, is not legitimate. Donald Trump is an illegitimate president. I think the interference, mm. although not yet quantified, uh, if fully investigated, would show that Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. So do you believe President Trump is an illegitimate president? Based on what I just said, which I can't retract. (laughs) (laughs) Trump knows he's an illegitimate president who got illegitimate foreign help. And the crowd roars. Do you remember that? Doesn't it hurt the country to say a president's not legitimate? Yeah. Did that hurt the country in 2016? How concerned were they? Believe me, I could have played, used the whole three-hour show and played all the press members from almost every outlet outside Fox and the Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity radio show. And ours, of course. They were calling him illegitimate on a daily basis. Whether well, it was a policy they don't agree with, an unorthodox way in which they approached it, uh, and the way he fights back, you never saw anything like it in your life. And that started... Needless to say, on the wrong foot. So the Columbia does a study to look at the death rate, the case rate. And in the U.S., do you know the chances of death, 0.03, if you get this virus? Then Columbia does a study and says the death rate is 0.015. For the flu, it's 0.01. I want everyone to take precautions. The experts say the same thing every day. Oh, let me see. Wash your hands, wear a mask, social distance. Same thing. We bent the curve once, curve's coming back up. France bent the code once, it's coming back up. 
Uh, Russia actually has a vaccine, we hear, but the current it's coming back up. In China, they locked down a whole airport. I don't believe one word they say. In Japan, coming back up. I could go through 170 countries. It's coming back up. But you know what also is going down? The opportunity to have a successful business. You know why? Because places like California and New York and Pennsylvania are slowly but surely strangling in their cradle or in the adulthood all businesses. They are shutting everything down again. Shutter it, take out only. Gyms don't even expect to open. I'm not saying all of New York, but all of California, that's the deal. Same thing with Michigan, same thing with Illinois. Why they didn't turn Michigan over to John James and President Trump, I'll never know, especially if this governor's might be recalled about the way they're handling it. But with the coronavirus crackdown, everybody wants to be responsible, but a vaccine is just around the corner. Do you think you could find a way to work with restaurant associations and gym associations to stay open? So last night, Bob, this guy, Robbie De Niro, I'm sure there's no relation, even though Bob De Niro's Nobu is evidently sucking wind, too, here in New York City, said this when it turned out he can't even have an outside serving area. Cut 12. I posted on Facebook Friday night that I wanted to get together business owners and protest and fight the lockdown that I feel is infringing upon our freedom. They showed up Friday night. We were about 20 minutes into that meeting when some sheriffs and a Department of Health official showed up uninvited. My business was closed. We were not conducting business. This was a protest. They walked in uninvited. A couple of the uh, patriots that were here with me said, hey, Robbie, there's some uh, sheriffs here and Department of Health officials. What do you want us to do? And I said, get them to leave. And, well, the video speaks for themselves. Those patriots took it upon themselves to stand shoulder to shoulder and tell them to get out. And we were right. Because if we were wrong, they would have called for backup and come back. Listen, but they didn't. They left. I feel so bad for the police officers. They're in an impossible situation. But I first and foremost think of all those men and women who have to make a living and serve their families. Uh, you see these lines for food around the block. These people used to have jobs. They want to work three jobs. They can't get one. And this guy, Robbie De Niro, is a upstate New York business owner. And they basically forced the sheriffs to leave. How dare they interrupt a meeting on their time? So here's that Dr. Romain Osoko that you saw in our open today. And she said, he says, this doesn't work. And this is a doctor who says it doesn't work. It damages the economy, doesn't help people. Cut 16. The reality is, is that lockdowns have clearly never been done before in history, but also have been derided by the CDC and the WHO. And there is no science that supports the use. In fact, the uh, Paris Island uh, Charm Marine study that we talked about last week clearly shows that strict quarantines and lockdowns don't work. This sort of push toward this, and there are other studies from Health Economics done in France. They looked at 188 countries. Mm-hmm. It's clear lockdowns simply don't work, and all they do is damage the economy, but they don't prevent the spread of the virus. So New York is saying don't travel for Thanksgiving, lockdown. Uh, they're telling restaurant owners, lockdown. They're telling gym owners, lock up. And what they're saying is they know the danger, for example, in Texas with El Paso. They had to come in, bring in hospital beds, send up little 10 hospitals. I get it. They surge resources there. They urge people to do it, but they're not mandating because it's never been done before. So as I mentioned to you, this death rate. So Columbia does this study, this guy Jeff Shaman at Columbia, and they said they're doing the math. And it's really hard to tell if you have a case of this and you sadly pass away, what other things were happening? And then in terms of the death rate to infection rate, 
It was 0.06 in the spring. Excuse me, 0.09 in the spring. It dropped to 0.06. And then this Jeff Shaman of Columbia University does this study and says, wait a second. The more I see the number of cases and the more I see the death rates, it's actually 0.15. The flu is one. I want people to be safe. If you're not comfortable, don't go out. But if you could get your kid to school, they're safer up until eighth grade for sure, and I'm sure high school as well. And if you're going to let people protest, you better let them go hang out in an outdoor bar setting. Because you can't have it both ways. And people see the hypocrisy there, let alone all these uh, governors and celebrities who do their own thing because they're rich. one 408 I want to get your calls and find out what you're doing on Thanksgiving if you've amended anything. Hey, give your name. It's okay. No one's going to follow you from the radio. But if not, I wouldn't tell. If you plan on traveling, don't tell a soul. You just hang. You just do your thing. Don't tell a soul. Get tested when you come back. Be responsible, but do not let these politicians run your life. Uh, Back in a moment. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. This is, as I said, crippling. I mean, and that's a light word for this. So the amount of people that are going to be laid off as a result of this, across all of our restaurants, we've seen sales immediately halt. I mean, it really was a screeching halt, even at the announcement about these new regulations. And now it's about, okay, well, sales are that slow. We've got to lay people off. I've seen, even in my general orbit, locally, at least 100 people I've heard of who have been laid off. And the question becomes, where's the support system, right? Where's the framework through which all of these people can then kind of bridge into the next step, which we don't even know what that is yet. And, even, and it's the holiday. 
and even Peter Navarro was saying everything's going to run out soon and the economy really could use a boost. There's only so much we could do if we're not allowed to work. You're not allowed to go to work. You're not allowed to open up your business. You're not allowed to shop unless it's online or Walmart or Target. And if you work at these other places, what are you supposed to do? So Congress had this is what they're for. Get it done in the next couple of weeks. Randy, listen to the Fox News Radio app. Randy. Yeah, I was just trying to share with you. We hadn't let anything these overreachers say to us affect what we're doing as far as Thanksgiving plans. We're having uh, three separate get-togethers um, with with what we're doing on three different days, starting yesterday and going into tomorrow with three different groups of people. Uh, it's just it's absurd, and I'm not letting. Um, these power-hungry people try to determine my personal life. It's not their place. It's uh, we the people and not we the politicians. Hey, Randy. Kind of how they run a show. Tell me if this doesn't make it worse. Even the, uh, the New York Times had an editorial on this. When you see Governor Newsom hanging out with donors and medical experts at a $450 a plate restaurant. By the way, you know what their wine bill was? $12,000. Without a mask. Elbow to elbow. Yeah. When you see things like that. I mean, doesn't that – and then you see Governor Cuomo say, yeah, I'm going to go see my mom, and then say yesterday, I think it's a little bit too risky for my mom to come see me. They're playing a game. Oh, I absolutely. Mean, yeah, absolutely. And it, it emboldens me more to stand up against these buffoons that try to try to tell us something that uh, they want us to do, they won't do themselves. But even if they were doing it, Brian, my take is it's still unconstitutional, illegal, how they're going about this thing altogether. Won't stand for it. Hadn't put on a mask and won't. Um, and for those that need to, fine, but don't dictate my personal life. You know, we elected politicians, not doctors. And if I need, if I'm sick, I'll go to the doctor. And it's basic, you know, it's kind of basic principles, in my opinion. I hear you. And now the other thing they're going to start doing is now that they did this in a state of emergency, we're not at war, but during war, they said, you got to put your light, you know, we're in the World War II. And they said, keep your lights low because we could get bombed. Remember, they talked to us uh, little, little things. We had to roll tinfoil. Our Americans did had to roll tinfoil to help out when the men went to fight. The women had to be forced into the workplace at that time. Everyone sacrificed. I get it. Now they say the pandemic's happening. We all should sacrifice. Yeah, we're sacrificing our future and our current living. Now you watch climate change, another emergency. Are they going to say you can only drive your car a certain amount of miles if it's gas? Are they going to say it's time for you to ride a bike or you can only take a cab well, a couple of times a month? Are they going to be able to track us through our easy passes of what we're doing? I mean, that's how crazy they sounded yesterday. Uh, Lizzie, when they named climate czar John Kerry, uh, who's got bought a new yacht, by the way. I'm sure that's going to save a lot of energy. Listen, thanks so much for the call. Listen to what Mark Morano said, executive editor of ClimateDepot.com. Cut 20. John Kerry and Joe Biden are coming in, and the two, their two objectives on climate are to push the Green New Deal and to push the United Nations Paris Climate Act. Now, this is coming at a time Well, first of all, John Kerry in 2015 said the world had achieved a victory with the U.N. Paris Agreement and that this would be a victory for future generations. Yesterday, he said this agreement, the U.N. Paris Agreement, is not enough. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Uh, and now they're talking about multiple increases of U.S. commitments over the years. In other words, they declared victory, we saved the planet, but in reality, we didn't save the planet. And this is an agenda that's going to go right at the heart of perhaps President Trump's greatest accomplishment, which is United States energy dominance. Our numbers are down. The carbon in the air is decreased. There are things that are going to happen right now, and I hate to say it, but it's probably not people listening to me, but there's people that you know. And we're going to say, I told you so. If you're in the oil and gas business, whether you're a secretary or a driller, you're going to be affected. If you're going to be fracking when you can't get those leases and when suddenly natural gas is not being exported at the same level, it's going to affect it. And then we are now the behemoth in the nat- in the uh, fossil fuel industry. We're going to acquiesce that role. We're going to vacate the crown. And, we t- and I'm going to sit here and tell you, I told you, and President Trump told you, what he said in the debate was 100% true. They're going to get rid of fossil fuel, not responsibly, but irresponsibly. And we're going to be paying our tax dollars to other countries that don't want to do it themselves. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The stock market's just broken 30,000. Never been broken, that number. That's the ninth time since uh, the beginning of 2020. And it's the 48th time that we've broken records in during the Trump administration. President of the United States, in and out in one minute. Uh, that's, get used to that. That is going to be standard with Joe Biden. But the President of the United States, he's had it. Why do I have to deal with uh, the belligerence of this press corps uh, when I just got to make an announcement, uh, whether it's parting in Turkey or talking about crossing the 30,000 uh, threshold for the stock market, even though in the middle of a pandemic with record cases. Susan Lee, Fox Business correspondent, she's usually all cut up with Stuart Varney, clearly her favorite host on, on Fox News Channel. <laughs> and now she finally has a moment in her schedule to squeeze us in. Susan, thanks so much for calling. Hey, great to see you, Brian. So I'm off today. I actually don't mind spending the day before Thanksgiving talking to you. So maybe you're my favorite on Fox News. What do you think of that? Well, I think that you're lying. And I think that you clearly, <laughs> the chemistry you have with Stuart That's every day on Barney and Company. Susan, first off, uh, people uh, are happy with the 30,000. Drill down on yeah. that number. What does it mean for the average person? Well, what does it mean? We love big round numbers. 30,000 is nothing nothing to snuff at. And it took us the entire year to get here. So I was looking at the start of January when we started off this year. And I would say a lot of people on Walter were very bullish heading into 2020, thinking stocks would rise once again. No one could see this pandemic coming. So when we crossed 29,000 at the start of January, people thought 30,000 was just around the corner. Needless to say, it took us the entire year to make up the uh, the next 1,000 points. So that was you know a hard-won victory yesterday. And I would say that Americans should be happy. If you're opening up your 401ks today, you should look up and say, wow, we're up 62% from the March lows. 
at the uh, at the bottom there during the pandemic. And I was just talking to Peter, who's your producer, and some people were panicking. There was fear on the market, and people were thinking of selling. In those cases, don't sell. Write it out, and here we are at 30000 So here's what we don't like. They say there's 50 million people with some type of food insecurity. We see those lines in uh, Rhode Island. We see them in Dallas, Texas. Uh, we see them in Sacramento, California, and those are just off the top of my head. Uh, there's a yeah. lot of people suffering right now through no fault of their own, Susan. As somebody who yeah. wants to be fiscally responsible but is wondering when this government's going to step up and help them, do you think they should uh, they should just uh, tighten their belts? Or do you think that it's up to uh-huh. Washington to help out? Well, yes, absolutely. It's up to Washington to help out. And actually, these market moves that we're seeing down at 30000 is because Wall Street thinks that with a new say, Treasury Secretary that is called Janet Yellen, and her name is Janet Yellen at the Federal Reserve, who's used to giving out a lot of money when it comes to stimulus. That's what we're anticipated, anticipating next year as well. So, yes, we're expecting a second round of stimulus checks, more help for the average person. And I would like to point out that stock markets usually price out what happens in six to nine months from here. So what Wall Street is telling us with Dow at 30,000 and the stock market records we've seen this year is that things will get better in six to nine months out. In fact, if you take a look at the Wall Street predictions, they're predicting a lot more for your money next year. So Morgan Stanley is predicting 10% gains. You have Goldman Sachs saying we could make 20% more next year along with J.P. Morgan. So there's a lot of hope and optimism that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Do, if people want to sell right now, it, no matter what they have in general, is this a good time or hold? I would hold into year's end because, look, we're looking at the best month since 1987, best November since 1928. And by the way, we're heading into the strongest month of the year for the stock market in December. It's what we call the Santa Claus rally that usually heads into year end when people have done all their budgeting for the year and they find some extra cash on the side. So what do they do? They put that cash into the stock market. So December is historically the strongest month for the stock market. So I would say hold into next year, hope for more stimulus and more wider vaccine distribution in the next few weeks. And maybe we'll even get some better corporate earnings as well. So I would say all in all, I would, I would look towards a, a better financial future for the U.S. stockholder. I'm looking for the exact number, but jobless claims, oh, here it is. Uh, U.S. jobless claims rose to 778,000. That was higher than we thought. We've still been around yep. 700 this whole time. Those are real people. Those are real numbers. I agree. I agree. And I know people say that the stock market is not the U.S. economy. But if you look at it, we have 100 million Americans that do invest in the stock market through the retirement funds, whether it's 401ks, whether it's pensions or IRA Roth. And individual investors, you know, the whole Robinhood day trading brigade, and not just on Robinhood, but people are trading on Charles Schwab and Fidelity. We have 12 and a half million Americans opening new trading accounts this year, and they're making money off these the stock market gains. So, I understand when people say that the economy is not reflected in the stock market, but there are a lot of Americans that are benefiting from these stock market gains, don't you think? I do. I think you're right. And I also just think there's a lot of middle class and working class people who are saying, really, you're boarding up, you're stopping me from even having outdoor dining. Really? You're closing up the gym I was managing again in California, the whole state shut down these lockdowns. It's hard. I want to hear more about the economist having a seat at the table. The doctors have had a seat at the table for eight months, and we all got we got we bent the curve, and the curve came back all around the world. What when are the small businessmen and women going to have a seat at the table? 
That's a good point. So let's hope they extend the PPE and those protection loans, also a second round of stimulus checks. You know, next year, we do have economists very bullish on the recovery and even calling for a V-shaped recovery, you know, that straight rebound up, hopefully. In fact, if you look at the economist forecast, we're looking for 5% economic growth next year. And don't forget, over the past 10 years, we've averaged, what, 2 to 3%. So 5% would be blowout. And hopefully that will trickle down to some of the small business owners as they get more help, hopefully, from Washington with the extension of loans and more stimulus coming. So how about this? Peloton is going through the roof to the point where people are tired <laughs> of waiting for their bikes. Yeah, look at you. I, do you have a Peloton? I do. And I ordered the oh. minute this pandemic hit, I don't have any home, yeah. home, home equipment. And they said they were going to be closing gyms. I ordered it. I still had to wait a month. But now these people have been waiting over two months for it. At least, yes. Well, Peloton has done really well. So we know that sales have tripled thanks to Kilmeade and Co. buying their bikes. But they also, because of that, because of the huge demand, they also have a glut right now in the ports trying to get all the equipment to put together these bikes. So you're going to be waiting at least, what, they said two months or more. But, hey, if you want to buy into Peloton, you know, the stock has done really well this year. But buying the bike is a whole different story. But that's good. I think that's good for the company, maybe not good for the individual customers. Susan Lee with us. Uh, the uh, Fox Business correspondent who's always with uh, Stuart Varney uh, on the set for at least three hours. Susan, I want to bring you to the biotech industry. I find it fascinating because I want people to profit that are saving lives, whether it's cancer or leukemia. Mm -hmm. And now we have it here again. This warp speed project uh, that the president just cleared out, now it's up to the FDA to green light uh, what these three uh, vaccines mean. Yeah. Why is it that uh, AstraZeneca decides to do the same thing, have the same type of impact, you know, obviously a different technology, mm-hmm. but they decided not to build a profit in? What, what goes into that thought? I think it's benevolent, but yeah. you have well, investors well, in that company that must be like, really? We're not building a profit, but Moderna and Pfizer are? Well, I don't know about that because AstraZeneca, you know, it's a for-profit company, obviously, and they're working in conjunction with Oxford University there in the U.K. They have already these built-in contracts with governments around the world. We're talking about billions of dollars even spent in Operation Warp Speed. So, you know, we already have this price into these companies because, you know, people say that Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca – Vaccine distribution has already is not going to improve or increase the stock price because all of that has already been built in with these pre-approved and prepaid government contracts. So I don't know if it's necessarily benevolent that AstraZeneca is targeting. I'm sure they'll make something out of it since we're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars being spent by governments around the world. Uh, the FDA, what are they looking at over the next couple of weeks? I mean, everyone just expects them to green light it. I mean, unless there's a problem with the study, is this going to go December 14th? Because that's what we're hearing. I think that's, yeah. Yeah, that, I think that's uh, it's a go right now. And I think the economy definitely needs it. And we know that Wall Street is definitely pricing that in. And that's why we're at Dow 30,000 and seeing these stock market records heading into year's end. So, you know, outside of anything that we can't see on the horizon, it looks like it's a go. Pfizer will probably get the approval first. 
they say whoever gets approved will get vaccine distribution first. So Pfizer, we know Moderna, which is based on the same mRNA technology, is probably going to go second. And hopefully we'll have wider distribution by next year. Now, here's something that I wanted to ask what you think, because UBS, which is an investment bank over on the European side, that's a lot of business around the world, highly influential. They're predicting no new COVID cases in six months. So with vaccine distribution, herd immunity, meaning that if you've gotten a coronavirus, you're already immune to it with antibodies, that there will be no new cases in six months' time. That's pretty bullish, don't you think? Uh, that's pretty incredible to think we're going to go around the globe in 170-plus countries, but I'm hoping. My fingers are crossed. But here's the thing, Susan. I think you can answer this. I, but when people call up and say, I'm not taking the vaccine, I don't want to tell people what to do just like I don't want to tell people to lock down. However, I think free market principles make me feel good about taking it. And here's why. Pfizer is ruined if this is bad for people. Moderna is ruined. You don't bring this to market for a quick adrenaline shot. If it destroys your company, you're not going to bring it forward. That gives me confidence just on the pure uh, corporate greed. Am I right? (laughs) Well, there's a term called goodwill. And that means how much your brand is worth. So you take goodwill charges or you get goodwill increases. And so, yeah, reputationally, it is important for Pfizer and Moderna to actually get these vaccines to work. And hopefully they will. Um, You know, in terms of will that hurt the stock price, I would say it's already been built in. Now, will people take the vaccine? I think that's a whole different question. I mean, I think only 50 percent in surveys say that they will. But we kind of need this vaccine distribution to get the economy reopened. And, yes, we're all free marketeers. So I say it's free will. If you want to take the vaccine, great. Hopefully more people in America will so we can start reopening and get the small business up and running. And the way I hear it, it's going to be frontline first responders, frontline medical workers, and then seniors, especially seniors that are vulnerable over 65, and then work our way down. And I will take it first or last. I will definitely taking it. I want to get back to our old life where Susan Lee comes in studio once in a while when Stuart Varney's sick or injured and and we're able to to, uh, have other people in the elevators again. Those are the little things we'd appreciate. Having a parade with people watching, that would be interesting. A sporting event with people in the stands, that would be novel. That's what what a vaccine can do. But I'm, I'm just... Uh, saying what's on my mind. I yeah. hope that's okay. Well, we can, we can have conversations in the cafeteria once again. That would be nice, running into Brian Kilmeade, seeing if he's having the salmon or the roast beef. I think those are small things that we miss, and I'd like to go back to that as well. Right, but I don't eat with other people. I have a private chef and a kitchen <laughs> in my office, so I can just see the people I choose. You know how that goes. Exactly. Right. Yes, I know. I Susan, know have a great Thanksgiving, okay? I know, aren't you, aren't you, you. originally from Canada, which is a country near us? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it is, but borders are closed. But do you, and, do yeah, you care still- about uh, Thanksgiving in Canada? Uh, well, they celebrate at a different time. So their Thanksgiving is in October. But I've been here so long that, and I, you know, obviously, I just feel American being next to you, kill me, that I just feel that Turkey Day is always in November now. All right. You have my permission to celebrate it. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. All right, Susan. Thanks so much. I'll see you soon. Okay, bye. Happy All Thanksgiving. Right. Back, uh, back at you. one 866 408 Jam the lines, especially over in Jacksonville, WOKV. This is the hour you get us live three hours later at night. We'll find out what's on your mind. You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. 
Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Have you read this? Because this is a good book. It's a great book. Great. But 10 million copies. <laughs> yes. Hard to beat. <laughs> that's going to be very hard to beat. But I've you're a- not a competitive guy, so that's fine. I'm, I've already waved the white flag. Okay, good. Come on, man. I do and want to point you know something out. What, yes? Any uh, illusion that I might catch up, it turns out that uh, now that my book is selling, yes. they all package it with her book. So she keeps on selling more. Wow. So I can't. I, it's, it's hopeless. <laughs> Really, things are tough for the former president who never did anything wrong, according to his book, and um, continues to sell. He's very popular, especially the global audience. My problem with with uh, with the president, former president, is that he doesn't know he's a former president. He campaigns and goes after Republicans uh, like he's still campaigning today. The the stand up routine he was doing against Donald Trump was as inappropriate as anything that you detractors might say Donald Trump has ever done. Wayne, listen, WNIS. Hey, Wayne, Virginia. Hey, Wayne. Hey, how are you doing? Good. What's on your mind? Hey, you know, I, I wanted to call about uh, maybe uh, all the Republicans, all these 73 million people banding together and, yep. and just stay, staying off Facebook and Google and Twitter for a day and just showing how much real power there is in this country instead of them taking advantage of us. Well, why don't you do parlor? And, and just not tweet for a while. Well, yeah, but if I can get 73 million people or even a third of them to, to join us, it would be a lot better. I think so. I mean, especially when you have an algorithm out there that was uh, suppressing things like Breitbart and Fox News and other websites that were out there in 2016. Uh, they, they feel as though they learned a lesson there. And real quick, uh, what are you doing? Wayne, have you amended anything about your Thanksgiving? Have I? Yeah. Uh, uh, not really. I've been so sick of... Uh, all this news and everything, it's just been really disheartening how all this being turned around. Well, we'll see. So, I'll tell you one thing. The one thing to hope for is the Senate. The Senate will force uh, Joe Biden to compromise on all his radical plans, including what he's going to focus on now. He claims he's going to go naturalize. I think it's going to be maybe up to 20 million illegals. He can't do that without Congress. Uh, I'd be stunned if he tries to pull that off. Uh, let's see what he does. Uh, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Uh, very frustrated over in Virginia Beach. Very military-oriented community. Um, I'll tell you one guy who's probably having a better Thanksgiving, and it is Michael Flynn. Finally, that pardon looks like it's coming. He wanted to do it through the court, and it hasn't. It doesn't look like it's coming, but it looks like the president is going to do it. Hopefully today, and may give him a, a reason to smile. Here's Brigadier General Robert Spaulding on the whole situation with the Lieutenant General Cut One. What happened to General Flynn is a disgrace to the country. The fact that the U.S. government used its resources to spy on the Trump campaign and then essentially went after General Flynn in order to get him out of being a national security advisor. I mean, it's, 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 it's probably outrageous. the worst happened? thing that's happened in our history. And hopefully he gets out. I don't know about Manafort. I mean, I look at his case. A lot of the links to the president in Russia were from Manafort, who he hired on a recommendation from his son-in-law, Jared, who ends up having all this Eastern European and Russian links, and he was buried in debt, caused a lot of his problems. 
but they overcharged him. They overconvicted him, and he's paying way too much of a price because the things they convicted him on, they already let him out of before he got associated with this guy named President uh, Donald Trump. We'll see. Meanwhile, the president of the United States pointed out Dow went over 30,000, but he also pointed out something else. Cut four. During this Thanksgiving, we extend our eternal gratitude to the doctors, nurses, healthcare workers, and scientists who have waged the battle against the China virus. And we give thanks for the vaccines and therapies that will soon end the pandemic. And as we go to the break, just keep in mind, I have this Thanksgiving special on Fox Nation. This gives you a real history of what happened 400 years ago with the Mayflower coming in, what they were doing, how the 101 passengers that started out on that ship half died the first summer. And what the local Native American community did, the treaty that they wrote and the the Mayflower Compact that we used to write our Constitution, the Articles of Confederation that John Adams used to write the Constitution for the state of Massachusetts. It's an amazing story. Go on Fox Nation. Download it. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Thanksgiving Eve's edition of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, Coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, We have a lot to discuss today, as usual. Uh, We're going to go on and do a simulcast on the Fox News Channel, the number one network in all the land, from ESPN to the Cartoon Network. We beat them all. Uh, So I'll do that with Sandra Smith and John Scott, who's filling in for uh, Trace Gallagher, I think. Jane Hampton Cook at the bottom of the hour, an esteemed historian, worked in the Bush administration. I want to get to the bottom of what real Thanksgiving is. And the good news is Jane Hampton Cook found a newspaper, get this, that was written in 1815, talking about what happened in 1620 with the Mayflower crew, 101 uh, in all, three women of which were uh, females, obviously were pregnant at the time, gave birth on, one gave birth on the ship. 50 died in the first winter, one of the most brutal winters ever, which that's before John Kerry started handling global, uh, became global, uh, climate czar. So that wouldn't have happened if he was in power. And uh, then, of course, uh, what was the first Thanksgiving? We get to the truth of it. And she also talks about uh, she also uh, will be talking about uh, these transitions from one administration to the next. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. This is not a third Obama term because there's we, we face a totally different world than we faced in the Obama-Biden administration. President Trump has changed the landscape. It's become uh, America first, which meant America alone. To him, uh, he said America first doesn't mean America alone, but to him it does. Uh, the Biden team is forming and saying goodbye uh, to America first. Hello to a third Obama term in my mind. Plus, John Kerry's climate pledge spells disaster for the country. This guy needs a reality check. Number two. And there are other studies from health economics done in France. He looked at 188 countries. Mm-hmm. It's clear lockdowns simply don't work. And all they do is damage the economy. But they don't prevent the spread of the virus. Right. And in fact, only 3% of the positive cases came from outdoor or indoor dining. It didn't stop California from locking down. 
The logic is gone. Outrage is everywhere from coast to coast. The virus numbers are going up, but the survival rate is also going up. Why is it necessary to kill business and livelihoods while we wait a couple of weeks or a couple of months for a vaccine? Number one. The way they question President Trump at some of these press conferences is just I've never heard that tone with the president. There are reporters who just are unprofessional, don't know the facts, and uh, ask really biased questions. Wow. I mean, was Andrew Cuomo drinking? Was he complimenting and saying what we've been saying on this show for four years, that the press is just out of their minds? In not accepting Donald Trump, Trump in action from parting Flynn to corn and cob. Yes, those are the turkeys. Meanwhile, in our tribal acknowledges Governor Cuomo, we all knew four years ago a media bias against Trump is like nothing we've ever seen before. So here is uh, Governor Cuomo uh, on WMAMC. And this is really the whole clip. I, I can't believe he said it. They hate each other. They don't respect each other. They were once friends. I believe Andrew Cuomo went to Donald Trump's wedding or vice versa. And they sat there, and one day he would compliment the federal government. Now he says they're the worst ever, writes a book, even though he leads the country in deaths, gets an Emmy, even though he berates anybody that challenges him. And he's killed the patient to save the patient. And by that patient, I mean New York, New York City specifically, while feuding openly with the Democratic mayor of New York City. Cut nine. The way they question President Trump at some of these press conferences is just I've never heard that tone with the president. There are reporters who just are unprofessional, don't know the facts, and uh, ask really biased questions. Yeah, no kidding. Not once. That's why the president came out yesterday and went in and out. And I didn't want to play some of the byplay. Evidently on C-SPAN, you could hear reporters just outraged that the president just came in, made an announcement, and left. Here he is. Cut five. Uh, the stock market's just broken 30,000. Never been broken, that number. Uh, that's the ninth time since uh, the beginning of 2020. And it's the 48th time that we've broken records in during the Trump administration. Well, that's kind of interesting. Uh, and then he left. That's the fascinating part. He never left. But since this election came out and he's battling it out in some states, and I know only 3% of Trump supporters think he, uh, think he lost and uh, think he should give up. And I understand it. They're angry. They, they couldn't believe the way they came out, the size of the crowds, the ground game the RNC put together, and the 74 million votes he got. And these people are outraged. Here is what was happening. Right after he read that statement, it lasted a minute and left. Listen to what was on C-SPAN. Cut six. Everybody, thank you. Yeah, okay. Because he doesn't want to sit there and take your crap if he doesn't have to. Because no one interested in getting answers or looking to get famous. Jonathan Carl got a book deal. Uh, Jim Acosta got a book deal. Why? Because the president takes your questions. Do you think that Joe Biden, Mr. List, five easy questions at a time is going to be as open and honest as Donald Trump? You may not have liked his answers and you had a problem with it. But he answered your question every day. Going to the helicopter, leaving the helicopter, at a press conference, uh, doing his coronavirus task force meetings. You never liked it. My goodness, you're going to miss it. What I really think is hysterical is the fact that people are saying 
How dare Republicans and Trump supporters not accept the legitimacy of an election? Really? How dare they? Cut eight. Do you agree that Donald Trump is, in effect, not a legitimate president? I think that there's no question that the process that elected him was not legitimate. The president-elect, although legally elected, is not legitimate. Donald Trump is an illegitimate president. I think the interference, although not yet quantified, uh, if fully investigated, would show that Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. So just pause it there for a second. So this is just some. I mean, this could have went on for an hour. How many... Democrats, pundits, unbiased reporters, close quote, air quotes, I should say, called him from day one illegitimate. And because Trump says, how the heck did I lose Pennsylvania with these mail-in votings? How was I winning for four hours and then losing afterwards in Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania? And why did you call it in Arizona? And then for him... To hold out and say, I'm waiting on this election. They say, how can you call it illegitimate? You were calling him illegitimate for four years. But that's what they're saying yesterday. And that is why Trump supporters have no patience. Zero patience for people saying that he should quit. He should throw in the towel. They don't get it. They don't know anybody that voted for Joe Biden. They watched his stump speeches. They were terrible. They watched his uh, live audiences. They were awful. And they didn't see any ground game at all. They're saying, how did he get 78 million voters? How does that make any sense? And I don't really have an answer for him. But I do know that the polls reveal that none of you want the president, almost none of you want the president to give in. So CNBC did a poll. And I'm not for polls, but it just shows an overall trend. 73% consider Trump the legitimate winner of Trump supporters. 3% accept Biden's victory. 24%... Not sure. Should President Trump concede? 66% think he should never concede. 30, 31% want President Trump to fight in court until states certify the results. That's like December 14th, I think. Say Trump should never succeed, 3%. Uh, concede, that's 3%. So there's a lot of things going on here, I think, that are of interest. And the Trump supporters, the passion that they have to stand in sub-zero weather and listen to him speak— is the same passion you're seeing he can't be losing because they believed the first time and he won. Uh, The problem is with the mail-in voting in June, the president called it, this is going to be a disaster. It's a disaster for Republicans to stop the bleeding and for the president's legacy to stay intact and set himself up for 2024. He needs to go to Georgia. He needs to max out what's happening in Georgia for those two Senate seats. And then when those senators get in place, And the House is basically one election cycle from going back to Republicans if they do their job. And they're supposed to deliver another six or seven seats. They still haven't decided in New York. It's a mess, too. And in California, you're supposed to get another three or four. If they're going to be up in like 211 seats, you need 218 to get the majority. They're going to take it. And if they still hold on to the Senate. And you see Joe Biden try to get out of the blocks. And he's as inept as he was as a campaigner as he is as a president. The table will be set for him because by far he is the most popular Republican. Nobody even questions it. And the reason why other Republicans don't step up even if they want to is because they will be ruined if they do. You think Mitt Romney's going anywhere except for another six years perhaps in Utah? That's about it. People like uh, Ben Sass, they're not going anywhere in Nebraska because they disagree. So let's listen in and go on uh, simulcast with Fox News Channel. Okay. You can ask about Ireland anytime oh, you want. Have you spoken to Dr. Fauci, sir? 
Well, that's Joe Biden talking to reporters yesterday. Media critics taking note of the fact that the president-elect has yet to be asked a single tough question by any journalist covering the transition, contrasting it with the way the press corps treats President Trump. Is there a double standard here? Brian Kilmeade is co-host of Fox and Friends. He joins us now live. Uh, Brian, what do you think? Double standard? I don't really. I don't know what you're talking about, John. I think they're exactly even. I, I don't know what you're going on, basing that on. Oh, absolutely. He wasn't asked a tough question, even about foreign policy, when he was running. Remember, he didn't win the primaries. They panicked when Bernie Sanders was winning, and Jim Clyburn gave it to him. He did not have a good speech yet as a candidate. He would go out to a group of maybe a dozen cars and scream at them. No one would even whisper in his ear and say, uh, Senator Biden, former Vice President Biden, you don't have to scream. You have a microphone. And now he goes out there with his little list, five questions on why is Donald Trump so stubborn and not giving in. Now, yesterday he got questions, but the old-fashioned questions where you actually want to know the answers, like, what are you going to do the first hundred days? I was more horrified by one thing he did say, John, and that is focus on immigration, try to undo everything going on at the border. The border traffic of illegal immigrants is down 80 percent, including illegal drug trafficking and human trafficking. They're building a wall. He actually doesn't need to address that problem. The illegal immigrants here, if he's going to legalize 20 million, guess what's going to happen? The rest of Central and South America are going to get word. They're going to start the caravans again, and he's going to create another problem. So yeah. I think there's, there's tough questions have not been asked yet. But keep in mind, he's not asking from anybody that's going to give him a tough question. I just remember when Ronald Reagan worked with Congress to end the immigration problem once and for all. And we saw how that ended up working out. I want to play for our viewers who didn't see the news conference some of the tough questions that were directed at the vice, uh, the president-elect yesterday. You got one vanilla, one chocolate. There you go. One vanilla, one chocolate ice cream, Brian. They also asked him about his socks yesterday. Uh, uh, yesterday, That was last month when he says, I'm not taking any questions, did answer about his ice cream, but he ignored the question about Hunter. What's amazing is the Hunter Biden story is moving. They got this thing called facts and emails and text messages. My hunch is if Joe Biden's not doing what the squad want to do and what Elizabeth Warren's hoping to happen, Senator Sanders, I don't know if you've met them. They tend to be very single-minded. I sense that some of those Hunter Biden stories are going to come front and center, mm. including his interaction with the future Secretary of State, perhaps, Anthony Blinken, as he was trying to go back and forth with him. So it's going to be very interesting what happens over the next few months. I don't know how long, John, this can continue. But one thing I do respect that Joe Biden did, he says, I'm not interested in pursuing any investigation with the president. He had one line in a written statement that said the president hollowed out government. But besides that... I notice he hasn't been extremely as critical as during the campaign. I think we could all use a little bit ratcheting down, but I think that the president is uh, not giving up. That's why he's probably going to Pennsylvania today to oversee one of these uh, contentious recount questions. I misspoke. The uh, tough ice cream question actually came in October. It was not yesterday. So I apologize for that. I want to direct your attention to this question, Brian. Uh, Jason Riley, who appears quite frequently on Fox, wrote an interesting piece in The Wall Street Journal, and I would direct our visitors to it. Um, he writes, the coronavirus protocol breaches we've witnessed this year 
could wind up being far more consequential if they lead to less support for nanny state policies. Conservatives, who are always more constitutionally averse to busybody politicians making decisions for people, were always warier of lockdowns and the rationale behind them. What has changed since the spring is growing skepticism of public health edicts among liberals. These lockdowns are the great equalizer in many ways. They affect uh, liberals and conservatives alike, except maybe the politicians, Brian. John, and I think Jason Riley, again, he always writes insightful things, uh, but here's especially, especially if you look in New York and Los Angeles. What has happened? When these lockdowns happen, they lock down restaurants. A lot of these restaurant people that work in restaurants are actors and entertainers and comedians and things like that. They want to hustle for a living. Now they're shutting it down, indoor and outdoor, even though the percentage show that doesn't spread through there. This other thing called Broadway. Broadway shut down till June. Everyone from the stage hands to the actors and actresses suddenly realize their livelihood's been put on hold for 18 yeah. months. And when you find out it's not necessary, instead of being innovative, they collapse and hide. I'm not saying the danger's not there, but they're seeing a livelihood taken away in some states and in Florida... And in Texas, it's not. But yet the danger remains the same and the numbers uh, are almost exactly the same. And that's why a lot of people are saying, wait a second, my life sucks. And I'm living under these terrible conditions. And I can't afford a Peloton. And I can't even right. work out. And yet no one asked me if I'm a Republican or Democrat. I just know I've been stopped from making a living. So I totally see what Jason's talking about. And when you find out that Lori Lightfoot, the Chicago mayor, and Nancy Pelosi are out getting their hair done at uh, salons that are closed to other people, well, it just kind of rubs you a little raw. Brian Kilmeade, Brian, thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. All right, uh, back at you. Say hello to Sandra. Uh, Brian, happy She's Thanksgiving. right here, and she heard you. <laughs> you can catch Brian on the radio on the Brian Kilmeade Show from 9 to noon. That's Eastern All right. time. Uh, thanks, and that was John Scott uh, signing off with us on television. But, of course, we remain here on radio. I'm a little late, so let me go right to break and come back with your calls. Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Went a little late there, but it's hard to sync up TV and radio. Those, thanks so much for listening uh, on this Thanksgiving Eve. I'd like to know your plans, too. Uh, I'll keep it confidential. Lisa, listen on WTKF, North Carolina. Lisa. Hey, Brian. Happy Thanksgiving. Back at you. What are you changing, Lisa? We are changing nothing. We are doing the same thing that we do every year. We have three families in addition to our own that will be coming. And the only thing about it this year that's going to be different is my husband's mother um, normally is with us on all the holidays. And obviously she cannot be with us this time because she's in an assisted living facility and we can't take her out. So, but other than that, we are doing the same thing that we always do. Awesome. Uh, thank, I want you to have a great Thanksgiving, too. Tim, W-I-B-W. Tim, Topeka. Hey, Brian. Good to talk to you. Uh, as far as uh, Mitt Romney, I think Chauncey from Happy Days is going to run there, and he'll win that seat. And uh, Biden, uh, he's a puppet. Yeah, we all know that Obama's behind that. I bet you he didn't get 50 million votes. So 
Yeah. I, Jim, it's just we have no proof of it. I know it seems illogical. The president doesn't buy it. Most people don't buy it. But we have not proven it. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. This is not a third Obama term because there's we, we face a totally different world than we faced in the Obama-Biden administration. The president, this President Trump, has changed the landscape. It's become uh, America first, which meant America alone. We find ourselves in a position where our alliances are being frayed. It's a totally different. That's why I found people who, uh, who joined the administration uh, in key points that represent uh, the spectrum of the American people as well as the spectrum of the Democratic Party. Joe Biden sitting down yesterday in an interview said that the, the, the transition has begun. He said that I got 20 agency, 20 meetings yesterday with different agencies. And he feel he actually said so far so good. He can't wait. Today is going to be the COVID-19 briefing on dis- distribution of the vaccine. So the transition is something that Jane Hampton Cook knows about. She worked in the Bush White House. We also want to talk to her about a uh, Thanksgiving special we have today, a very, uh, a very nation Thanksgiving, the real history of the Mayflower and the 1620 voyage, the survival and the role of Native Americans. Uh, she also helped me out tremendously. If you want to go to Fox Nation, I hope you do, uh, talking about uh, the, uh, the suffragist movement, the, the push for the women to vote. Her book is called Resilience on Parade, short stories from suffragists and the women's side of the battle uh, for the vote. Jane Hampton Cook, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Jane, first off, do you, what do you remember about the transition? Barack Obama writes in his book that he wanted his transition to be as great as George Bush's was. <laughs> well, um, I was, you know, that's a very personal thing for me because I didn't get hired as soon as I would have if um, President Clinton had released the funds to George W. Bush um, in that Florida recount time period. I so, you know, we were all delayed. You know, it delayed every everybody from the top on down getting jobs um, as soon as they would have liked to have needed to. Um, but, you know, I think that I, I am glad to see the GSA is moving forward. And I'm also glad to see that the president's legal um, issues are getting a hearing because I'm concerned about the next election. I want to make sure the next election is, you know, fair and clean. And so I think sunlight's a good way to look at that. Yeah, I don't like the I don't like the mail-in ballots. The unsolicited ones will never work for me. I don't care if if it was to Donald Trump's advantage. It doesn't matter. Uh, I will say this: Yeah, by pushing Pennsylvania, by pushing Wisconsin, by pushing Arizona, by pushing Michigan, if if it doesn't turn its direction, it doesn't look like it's going to. They're going to make them defend their policies. And to see why they could possibly rationalize not looking, allowing um, election observers to see. What was going on? What are you trying to hide? And if you're not, it looks terrible. Uh, Especially, Jane, you studied the right to vote. Imagine getting the right to vote and thinking they're not counting your votes. Absolutely. And, you know, for every illegal vote that's cast, that that contradicts a legal vote that was cast. And it's really up to the states, to the state legislators, to set their election law. So I think sunlight will help those state legislatures make, you know, maybe better law moving forward. So I think those are all good things. 
Right. I um, would say this in New York, they found a lot of dead people were voting in one election and there's only 200 votes in between them. You have to wonder how many people uh, got ballots. They got passed through that upon further review should not even have been mailed out, let alone uh, counted someone else filling it out for dead people. But let's move on and, and talk about the, just one quick thing on the transition. Now, Clinton to Bush was not good, but Bush to Obama was brilliant. Yes. Why was that was. important for President for George W. Bush in the middle of an economic crisis? Didn't even know Barack Obama spent all his time ridiculing President Trump. Excuse me, President Bush. But yet, when it came to this, he was he he told everyone what he wanted everyone to have a clean, peaceful transition. He wanted people to cooperate. He didn't want to treat others as his administration had been treated um, in, the, in the Clinton to Bush transition. And, and it was. I remember going on Fox for the first time to talk about that transition and just how good it was, how efficient and um, you know helpful it was. And both sides were saying so at the time. So I think that's important. So let's flash that to 16. That peaceful transfer of power. Now let's flash to 1620. Are you shocked at how people are trying to rewrite and vilify uh, the Mayflower, the pilgrims that came over. Yes. I mean, I guess I'm not surprised, but we have more access to direct information than ever before. We can get to it on our phones. And um, I found an 1816 newspaper article that was crediting the pilgrims. And this was 25 years earlier than they were getting credit because there was a book that came out in 1841 that claimed that the pilgrims had the first Thanksgiving in America. It was based on a lost letter from a pilgrim. And that kind of launched and forever branded the pilgrims with Thanksgiving. And now we can find new things in historical newspapers because we can read them electronically. And so it's, it's heartbreaking to me that we have access to the founders' writings to the National Archives and can read their letters, yet we seem to know very little um, about what has happened in the past. And the pilgrims, you know, Brian, you've done this amazing special about Thanksgiving. They sacrificed. They had a 102 passengers on that Mayflower, and only 52 survived, and yet they stayed. They could have gone on the ship that came after their Thanksgiving and gone back to England, and they didn't. They stayed, and they created America. Yeah, they were supposed um, to go. Yeah, they were supposed to go down south to Northern Virginia. They ended up, and we now know as Cape Cod. They had nowhere to go. There was a lot of women on board. Uh, Wamapog, the uh, Wamapog Native Americans of the time, thought they were going to be. You know, they had guns. Uh, they thought this was going to be a hostile situation, but when they saw men and women, they realized, well, these people might need our help. And they ended up into an agreement, and they did yeah. actually have a Thanksgiving meal eventually. Uh, Jane, I want you to hear a clip from the special. The Thanksgiving that we celebrate every single year is based on the story between the Mayflower Pilgrims and the Wampanoags. It was the first harvest festival that the Pilgrims had after they landed. It does an injustice to what really happened and to the relationship that truly existed between Wampanoag and the English settlers. So they go on to talk about how 50 died right away from the Mayflower voyage. Yeah. Uh, 101 was on the ship uh, overall, and they were leaving because they didn't want to worship some king of England who who ran the Church of England. They said, we're going to just go give it another start. You talk about gumption. They end up writing the Mayflower Compact. It ended up being the foundation of our Constitution and the Articles of Confederation. 
Yeah. And, you know, they created a civil society. They in, they invited 90 members of the Native tribe to their that feast. It was a three-day event. And, you know, they were able to give thanks despite their hardships. And I think that's a great message for 2020 with COVID-19 and all the hardships that's caused everyone and the losses we've experienced is their resilience. You know, I named my book Resilience on Parade, and it's about women's battle for the vote, but it's that quality of resilience, perseverance on a spring, getting up the next day and having a better day, you know, and moving forward. And so what they, they accomplished, you know, was something miraculous. And and they did make this great agreement, you know, with their neighbor neighbors and lived, you know, they, they were very peaceful, the problems were. And that's, um, you know, that's part of the story. And there's... There's just, I just think you've just done such a great job with this series on championing, you know, the good in our history. And you're not afraid to, to talk about the bad, but you put it in context and you, you see the hopeful messages that are there from our heritage. And, and for 50 years, they entered an agreement with this local Indian tribe and they helped each other. Some of their leaders were sick and we were able to use some of the Western medicine to help save their lives. Yeah. But then there was other generations that came in and friction ensued. And we know what happened, and each one has a different story to tell. Uh, but we, a lot of people today, uh, Jane Hampton Cook, are being told, give up on Thanksgiving. Don't do it. I say find a way to do it responsibly. Absolutely. Common sense Thanksgiving. If it has to be smaller, fewer people, you know, that's fine. Give thanks, have a meal, enjoy football, you know, and, and but, but think about the good things in our lives, and even if it's on a smaller scale. And uh, but be common sense, you know, have common sense about it. Absolutely. Sure. Jane, the other thing, by the way, the 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 uh, very nation Thanksgiving is dropped today. So you can see it's about 40 minutes. You'll have an understanding. I'm fascinated by your 1816 letter that you found. You say it's the Salem Gazette. You found it online. Were you searching for news on pilgrims? Yeah, I was writing an article, blog articles for genealogybank.com. It's a historical newspaper database that I use for my books. And I wasn't trying to find something new. I just found this article that says if our pilgrim forefathers who instituted this religious festival could give thanks, you know, then how much more can we give thanks? And so I called Plymouth and I said, hey, I found these articles. Can you answer a couple questions? And they said, send it to us. And then they said, Jane, you found something. This is news to us. We thought 1841 was the start date when most Americans knew about the pilgrims and Thanksgiving because of a letter that was published that had been lost. The 1621 letter had been lost and republished in 1841. But in fact, there were people in New England that were crediting the pilgrims with Thanksgiving, we, you know, in 1816 and, and much earlier. It hadn't been oral tradition. And what I, Brian, what I really realized is how important Thanksgiving was to generations of New Englanders. You know, it got passed down from the pilgrims and their descendants and others who came had harvest festivals. It meant something to them. It brought them together. And and that's why they spread it when they moved west. New Englanders, you know, moved to New York and Pennsylvania and then ultimately, you know, further west. And they took their tradition with them and celebrated Thanksgiving and got governors to pass proclamations. And that's why we have Thanksgiving is because of the pride of the people of New England who loved this holiday and this tradition. And that's what that 1816 article says to me. Awesome. Fantastic. Imagine that. You find something and it helps the library. Uh, over in Plymouth. Jane Hampton Cook. I know. Thank you so much.
Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. Uh, Have a happy it. Thanksgiving. Uh, ba- uh, back out to you and your family, and thanks for your help. She does a great special with us on women's right to vote, especially if you have a young daughter and you want to talk about inspiration, what they went through back then in 1919. It's fascinating. When we come back, a device that has to be in your house that could actually save your child's life this Thanksgiving. It's called LifeVac. The creator joins us next. Listen and pick up on some things you didn't know before. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Let's start. I don't want it to get cold. Go ahead. Bon appetit. Oh, he's choking. He's choking. Help us. He's choking. He's choking here. Oh, no. Mrs. Doubtfire, help us. He's choking. Help is on the way here. Oh, no. So that was a scene from Mrs. Doubtfire, Robin Williams, obviously. There's the choking scene, real serious stuff. But if you do not have um, a masculine housekeeper, how are you expected to stop from, from choking? And in all seriousness, when you look at the number one cause of death for children, uh, it near the top, almost in every survey, sadly, is choking. And that's why I asked uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Arthur Lee, the inventor of LifeVac, to come on today. I know that it's about 50 million people are going to be out uh, eating with family and friends this weekend. Uh, maybe tomorrow, maybe all four of these days. And I'm thinking to myself, if some kid is going to choke, this will be the story. You're hanging out with relatives. You're hanging out with your friends. You turn around. Your two-year-old will have a grape in his or her mouth. They'll pick up something from the floor or a toy and put it in their mouth. And then you'll hit their back to try to get them to breathe, and you're not going to be successful. Life back changes all that. And I just thought if we could bring this story to life and have Arthur come on and talk about it, we might be able to save a life. And Arthur's always telling me about different things and different people whose lives have been saved. Arthur Lee, founder and CEO of Lightback, welcome back. Hey, Brian. Thanks, man. You, uh, you're really making a difference, my friend. Well, let's see. I mean, you, you have this Lightback that looks pr- pretty cool. It looks like a face mask, right? It's clear. And a plunger. And if you have a two-year-old or four-year-old, your goal was to be able to put that without being an expert, being able to put that over that child's face or the adult that might be choking, and all you do is push and pull, right? Yeah, the, uh, all the simplicity of it is almost deceiving on how much effort went into that using the sociological point of people panicking. You know, I persevered to make something last forever, always work, can't hurt you, and uh, be able to be used in a panic. Just push it and pull it. You'll, you will be okay. And now that that's your goal. So when did this come out? Uh, I've been working on it for about 10 years. It's been for sale for about six. It costs you about $60 if you use our, if you go to our show, lifeback.com, and you, you put in our show, we give free shipping. But here's an example. I just thought that if you have a young child, and for example, there's a fire in your kitchen, you're not saying to yourself, I'm going to save 20 bucks. I'm not going to get a fire extinguisher. But if you have a fire in your kitchen, you want it. And if you don't, you never kick yourself and say, what a waste of money. Nothing went on fire today. I feel like if no kids chokes today, I'm okay, but if a kid does choke, I'll feel like the smartest person in the world. And you mailed me some different stories that really struck me. Here, here's one that they wrote you. 
couple of months ago, uh, a post uh, the post prompted me to buy a life back while pregnant. We had a scare, a four-week-old son the other night. He had phlegm from spitting up earlier, and he was nursing. Then he started coughing. He started choking. We couldn't get him to take a breath at all. He started hitting him on the back. He just kept choking. I freaked out, grabbed the life back, put it over, and he immediately took a big breath and started screaming bloody murder. I never had been so happy to hear him scream before. It was super scary. Very similar situation for a father home with his daughter, and she's eating a leaf. Can't breathe. They call 911. 911 says we'll be there in 13 minutes. Don't have 13 minutes. Remember the life back. He places push and pulls. Child lives. Can you imagine if you didn't have that, Arthur? Well, Brian, that's the problem. Like even with the clip you showed on the the the, the new the movie, right? In the movies, every it always works. The problem is that has perpetuated the fact that oh, I'll just do the Heimlich. I'll just use back slaps. It's 50% in the field, 70% of a, a paramedic was doing it. It doesn't always work. The myths perpetuate the death. We just lost a beautiful Sadie, a little two-year-old in school. Sausage, right? Her birthday's tomorrow, same as mine. We had a life back. It's out. She's fine. She lives, right? We think, oh, we're, kids are okay. They'll be safe at school. They're safe at home. Fire extinguisher, run out of your house. <laughs> Yeah. It's just a house. You can't run away from a choking emergency, and it's not the fourth leading cause of accidental death all over, overall, just on the car accidents, because it doesn't happen. The world doesn't know because it happens all the time, so it's not news. We lost 10 kids in school this year. Totally preventable, and a nurse has everything. Imagine if you had it in your class. Uh, you know, we're talking about shootings and things like that in a class, and who's, who wants to carry a gun, who wants to train to get a gun? What about these things? Uh, they're cheap enough oh. that schools can make a purchase. It's not going to bust the bank. And it's first aid. It doesn't require any litigation or, or uh, regulation. It's a piece of first aid equipment like a Band-Aid. And, you know, we have EpiPens. You can inject drugs in a child, and that's great. I want to save children, but they're more likely to choke. And for $69 for life, you can keep them safe. I can't have kids keep dying in school. You have a school, it's free. You have a veteran home, it's free. I'll give you one. We have uh, special needs. I will give you a life back. How many countries is it in? How many countries is it in? Is it in? I think we're in 13 countries now. We've saved children in seven countries. Nice. So I just thought we got to get that message out, Arthur. Thanks for bothering me. Happy birthday tomorrow. Happy Thanksgiving. He's the CEO yeah, of LifeVac. Go to LifeVac.net. Everyone writes me after and says, what is it? It's LifeVac, V-A-C.net. Arthur Lee, great message, great job. Happy Thanksgiving. I appreciate everything, Brian. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show as we get uh, poised for a Thanksgiving like no other. Dana Perino has been convinced to join me. I hope she doesn't change her mind. She's the same Dana Perino from The Five in the Daily Briefing, knows all about transitions. She was actually there during one that even Democrats admit was one of the best transitions ever from President Bush to President Obama, despite the tensions between them. I look forward to talking to her about that. And... 
Thanksgiving, the real story on a Thanksgiving special on Fox Nation. I was fascinated to learn a lot of this stuff. I think you will, too. Uh, And you need to know the real story. As soon as someone sits down on Thanksgiving and then tells you what they think of these horrible pilgrims, you'll know the difference. You'll actually know where to double-click. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. This is not a third Obama term because there's yeah. we, we face a totally different world than we faced in the Obama-Biden administration. President Trump has changed the landscape. It's become uh, America first, which meant America alone. Look, I appreciate the tone, but it's not accurate. He said America first means not America alone. The Biden team is forming and saying goodbye to America first. Hello to third Obama term in my mind. Plus, John Kerry in this wild climate czar position he has. I think it spells disaster. I think it's going to be like COVID-19. They're going to give Kerry that type of ridiculous power. Number two. And there are other studies from health economics done in France. He looked at 188 countries. Mm -hmm. It's clear lockdowns simply don't work. And all they do is damage the economy, but they don't prevent the spread of the virus. Esteemed doctor last night talking about lockdowns without logic spawn outrage from coast to coast as virus numbers rise and vaccine date is set. Why is it necessary to kill businesses and livelihoods while we wait? Number one. The way they question President Trump at some of these press conferences is just I've never heard that tone with the president. There are reporters who just are unprofessional, don't know the facts, and uh, ask really biased questions. He's still promoting his book. But that was Governor Andrew Cuomo pointing out what we all know, there's bias in the media. But for a liberal Democrat governor who's critical of the president and vice versa, to know what we note is out unbelievable. Now, just a small clip. I'm sure the rest of the interview was all what a bad president he is and how he's the cause of this virus and how he didn't respond. But that's not the case. So where are we at with the vaccine? I was kind of stunned to see New Yorkers were asked, would you take the vaccine? Do you know... The 24% said no. If you don't like the AstraZeneca vaccine made over in Oxford, okay. You don't like the Pfizer, but to use other Pfizer products. You don't like Moderna. I'm sure you use Moderna products. Pfizer the biggest. Why don't you trust it here? It's gone through the whole process. We rushed to just get the bureaucracy out of the way. But the FDA and everybody else is signing off on it. So here's with the CDC director, Robert Redford, Redfield. Robert Redford was great in The Natural, but has no business in in our show today. Cut 10. You don't want to be the last group to end up getting COVID uh, because the vaccine is going to begin to be rolled out uh, probably by the end of the second week of December. Uh, Initially, in a a hierarchical way, uh, uh, nursing home residents, and then some combination of healthcare providers and individuals at high risk for a poor outcome. Right. So he's saying, be calm, be smart. But I don't think you should be giving up all plans. Be smart about it. You're 89 years old. You're not feeling well. Maybe not the time to travel 150 miles to see your governor's son. Cut 11. I do think we'll have about 40 million doses of vaccine before the end of the first year of the year. That's enough to vaccinate 20 million people. But then it will continue through January and February. And hopefully by March, we'll start to see vaccine available for the general public. Uh, That would be great. Uh, First responders, go get them. Seniors, especially with underlying conditions, absolutely. Uh, Teachers should be next. Uh, That would be great because it helps school and kids. I'm not worried about kids, nor should you be. So with the virus here, 
If I'm governor of a state, mayor of a city, I say, okay, restaurant association, I need to meet with you. We're going to set up monitors within the restaurant association. Uh, these are the, the criteria. Take some pictures of what you've done and how effective it's been. Let's trace back to the Applebee's down the block or the, the Charlie's Burgers uh, uh, six miles away. How have you done? Have people complained? Have, 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 have your, your workers got, okay, you trace, it does, doesn't happen? Okay, great. When it did happen, what, what took place? Fantastic. Then you set up protocols, and you say this. Don't wait at home and watch your business go and the lease payments uh, come unpaid or get kicked out. I want to keep you open. How do we do it? How do we set up a patio? How much is your tent? Can you make a profit? And I'm working with you. Can we do more takeout? And then can you monitor each other? So when you're done, say, hey, guys, that sports bar down the block, you're blowing it. It's too crowded. You had the, you had the bar mitzvah on top of the wedding, on top of the confirmation and graduation. You ruin it for everybody. And the governor comes in, and if the cops have to make a warrant, they hand out a summons that says it's not going to be fulfilled as long as you correct things. That's how I work it, especially eight months later. You don't need to act like the king, like Andrew Cuomo. You're arresting people. I'm seeing video now online of this guy getting arrested at a Costco for not having his mask up, getting arrested. So he said, I'm just taking a breath, and they said, okay, turn around, and they locked him up with a kid. See, it's this guy, Robbie De Niro. He's had it. He's upstate New York. He's in Buffalo. Listen to what he did and listen to what happened. And I feel bad for the police officers. They're in an impossible situation again. Cut 12. I posted on Facebook Friday night that I wanted to get together business owners and protest and fight the lockdown that I feel is infringing upon our freedom. They showed up Friday night. We were about 20 minutes into that meeting when some sheriffs and a Department of Health official showed up uninvited. My business was closed. We were not conducting business. This was a protest. They walked in uninvited. A couple of the uh, patriots that were here with me said, hey, Robbie, there's some uh, sheriffs here and Department of Health officials. What do you want us to do? And I said, get them to leave. And, well, the video speaks for themselves. Those patriots took it upon themselves to stand shoulder to shoulder and tell them to get out. And we were right, because if we were wrong, they would have called for backup and come back. But they didn't. They left. But the cops' hearts are on native. They don't want to crack down on people trying to earn a living like they do. A lot of them have part-time jobs or businesses are investing in that anyway. You know, you got 20 years in that, or you, you have another job because you might have a little bit uh, of freedom and a little bit more flexibility. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, he knows El Paso's being overrun. He gets it. Crack down there. He knows Dallas has long food lines. Why are the long food lines there? Because people can't earn a living. They're not lazy. So how do you balance both? Cut 14. Well, Robbie's a patriot. Our uh, founding fathers, uh, they were upset over the Stamp Act and other actions by the king. Uh, I would say a lot less egregious than what Democrats are doing to citizens everywhere in this country. And this is a peak into the future under the Biden administration, Sandra, if they lock down this country. Uh, they are pushing Americans beyond where they want to be pushed. And Americans put up with a lot from their government. Um, but they will not have their freedom and their rights taken away. And that's what we try to protect in Texas. And, and we are here. And look, and people are upset in Texas. They might be upset in Florida. But we've got the same numbers, better numbers, not much better, but better numbers off the top of my head than they have in New York and New Jersey. And they've ruined lives in New Jersey. You know what they're doing now? They're monitoring bridges and tunnels to make sure you quarantine for 14 days. I don't want uh, hospitals overrun, but they're not overrun. In Staten Island, they're a bit taxed. Crack down a little bit in Staten Island. People will pitch in. They get it. But when you make it my turn or your turn, when you make it my life or my livelihood, it's ridiculous. 
So yesterday, and I don't want to take too much time away from Dana. Hey, Eric, is she going to stay for one segment or two? One? Okay. Two? All right, Pete says two, Eric says one, so it's two? All right, real quick. We saw the rollout of Joe Biden's team, and Democrats must be real happy with it. I couldn't be least, uh, less pleased, and here's why. They're not firebrand. They're not a bunch of uh, fire-breathing Trump haters. I, that's the last thing I wanted. I didn't want to see Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. It would have destroyed America. However, these are the same men and women, for the most part, that got us that ambivalence towards your, in Europe, had Russia running all over us, and China having a field day. And now we're going to go, out, go back to the pro-Iranian, anti-Israeli Middle East. Fantastic. Back in a moment. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. We're already working out meeting with the COVID team in the White House and how to not only distribute, but get from a vaccine being distributed to a a person able to get vaccinated. So I think we're going to not be so far behind the curve as we thought we might be in the past. And there's a lot of immediate discussion. and, uh, and, And I must say... The outreach has been sincere. There's not been begrudging so far, and I don't expect it to be. About 20 meetings uh, with the heads of federal agencies and departments uh, have scheduled for today. That was Joe Biden yesterday with uh, NBC talking about some of the cooperation. And amazing, Dana Perino's kind enough to come in, getting mm-hmm. set to do her daily briefing at 2 Eastern and the 5 at 5, obviously. Dana, it's amazing because during the campaign, and I know uh, it's just a campaign, but he says there's no plan to distribute. He's acknowledging there's a plan to distribute. And he says we, we're never going to have a vaccine. We have vaccine. Well, not only that, remember Kamala Harris said, if a vaccine is developed while President Trump is president, I would not take it. Yes. Remember she said that. Absolutely. And now they're going to be in a position of, having to, one, take or modify the plan to distribute, but also the public communications that goes around um, getting people to trust the vaccine and getting enough people to take it, that's on them starting January 20th. And they want to be ready now, and I think that Mark Meadows said he uh, reportedly convinced the president to do it, but the president doesn't want to give up this. And I heard you mention this before is that one thing the president's doing by pushing on Pennsylvania, by pushing on Michigan, by pushing in in different cities like Philadelphia, he's making them own up to their procedure. Tell me why, my guys, my people weren't able to see. Tell me why you accepted with no signature verification. Tell me how you decided what's going to be tossed and what it wasn't going to be. Show me that this is a split ticket. So that's going to help in 2022 and maybe help in a couple of months in Georgia. Yeah, in Georgia. I mean, and really I think that – Georgia did improve things. If you remember in June, they had the primary. It was a disaster. People standing in line for 12 hours, like um, lots of concern about ballots not being counted, all of that. And in four months, they were able to try to at least make it better. That Secretary of State says that they did match the signatures, but because of the secret ballot, after you match them and it's approved, then because secret ballot, you put those away. So you can't like recreate that. I don't know if that's the right way to do it. You know, my solution is very unpopular. I am for mobile voting. I am for going to doing it from your phone. Really? Yeah. 
Are you convinced that there's technology no, out there to make us make sure it's Dana Perino? Uh, not yet, but I think that we could get there. And I don't necessarily think that's 2022, but could I see it within this decade? Yes, I could. Yeah, I mean, I want to see an examination while we wait for the Dana Perino app. <laughs> I want to see an examination now because it doesn't help anyone to, to have it. doubt. It's true. And, and to, to have a country this big and still have 10,000 10, people decide a state and maybe an election is pretty Well, look, it worked for President Trump, right? I mean, he won by— Small margins in many in, states. In, in those states, right? But, but Biden wins by smaller margins in many states. It's almost the exact flip of 2016. So I, I like to talk about the transition a little bit, too, in that do you remember the transition between you, between your administration and Clinton? No, because you weren't there that I didn't get there till after, right after nine eleven. Because, but I know uh, a lot about it. I mean, it was not good. If you think about short. it, remember there was the recount, and also they were jerks. Remember, um, they took when the, the forty three team gets there and they find out all the W's because of George W. Bush um, had been removed. Not all, but like in the old executive office building, um, that they kind of basically just had a party and trashed the joint before they walked out. But even worse was just a terrible handoff. I'll tell you one other thing that they did. They planted a couple of little time bombs for Bush. So in December of 2000, they filed these lawsuits against coal-fired power plants. And starting in January of 2001, George W. Bush was asked every single day, are you going to drop the lawsuits against the coal-fired power plants? And it was a front page of the New York Times almost every single day. Ultimately, he did on the merits, but it was two years of just complete and total drama. Your take on your second opponent you were there for, John Kerry. John Kerry has been named climate czar. I hate the czar title, but yes, he has been named that. He's been named climate czar. And I believe the way Joe Biden talked about his good friend who got that important job makes me extremely worried and Mark Morano, who wrote is executive editor of ClimateDepot.com, producer of the film Club The Climate Hustle, you know where he stands by that title, said that don't be surprised if the COVID-19 restrictions now are going to be the restrictions and emergency action of people thinking climate change, where they tell you not to drive. You've or already not taken to use those Ubers. heaters at the restaurants. Oh, that, absolutely. Yeah. Now you've got to take a bike everywhere, perhaps. <laughs> um, here is John Kerry, Cut 19. Mr. President-elect... You've put forward a bold, transformative climate plan. You're right to rejoin Paris on day one. And you're right to recognize that Paris alone is not enough. All nations must raise ambition together or we will all fail together. And failure is not an option. Are we going to vacate our crown as leader uh, of the energy-producing nations? Are we going to vacate that crown? I don't believe so. I think that the free market is actually more powerful than this. And if you look at the different approaches during the Trump administration, innovation and a good economy was f- fueled us to a point where, one, we became the energy decision makers, which is a good place to be. But th- we also decreased emissions. Okay, now part of the decrease of emissions is the last nine months because of COVID, there's been reduced economic activity. But because of fracking, there are fewer greenhouse gas emissions that are emitted in our country. So we have already met our our, our obligations. So I feel like John Kerry will go and say, like, we'll rejoin Paris. And now don't you all like us again? And everyone will say, oh, thank you very much. I don't think we're going to give them any more money. 
I don't know if they're going to require those other countries, especially China, to that if you're a signatory to Paris, you have to meet those obligations. Is it all just kind of continued lip service? Well, uh, you're so much more optimistic than me, and usually <laughs> I'm the most optimistic person around. Uh, Michael Schellenberger was oh, on like with him. Tucker last night. I hope so, because I'm going to play a soundbite, <laughs> and I'd hate for you not to like him. Uh, here he is talking about the reality. Cut 29. Yeah, I mean, what the study finds is that even if we stopped all car, all emissions today, we would still see uh, climate change. We still see global warming over the next 400 years uh, through a combination of factors, the release of methane from permafrost, um, other factors. And, you know, it's stuff that we've sort of known. But I think for I think you're right to point out that there is a very simplistic idea that if the United States takes action, that somehow we're right. going to stop climate change. And that's just not the case. So here's the other reason I'm optimistic. We have people like Michael Schellenberger. Um, uh, what's the guy's name? in uh, Europe. I can't think of his name, but he's like a free marketer who is also concerned about climate change, but says the way to do it is through innovation and research. You look at what the American companies are doing to get to electric vehicles. Um, okay, that's exciting, except for how do you get the electricity? Well, either you get it from coal or you get it from natural gas. How are you going to make those things more efficient? The battery power, because of our innovations, our engineers are so smart. They're figuring out a way that you could drive 200 miles without having to get a charge. So I think that there is the promise of innovation to help us improve upon our climate situation. But before the innovation's there, I worry about these executive orders. They're going to oppress these car companies who are afraid of standing up to the president because of the ramifications of the corporation. Or I think that they're making business decisions because they think that they can meet the targets and get the business. Why does she always have to get the last word? What <laughs> is that? Uh, Dana Perino continues in just a few minutes. Don't move. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. There's a lot of evangelical Hispanics who, you know, the fact that Trump says racist things about Mexicans or puts uh, detainees, uh, you know, uh, uh, undocumented workers in cages, they think that's less important than the fact that, you know, he uh, supports their views on, you know, gay marriage or abortion. Okay. I have so much, there's such a problem with that statement, but he says it so much like a professor, and I believe I was saying that before Tucker was saying that, but he has (laughs) such a great delivery. He's so likable. He is. Charismatic, great, probably top five speaker in the country. Dana Perino's here. She's going to host her show at two. Then she's got, of course, at the five. Dana, listen to. Can you break first off? Break down that statement. Really, some Hispanics are willing to give up all their beliefs because of same-sex marriage, like Donald Trump. Well, the other, he might be. He might sound professorial, but a professor, as I recall, does a little research before. Talking about it, that might be what Barack Obama's instincts would be, but that's not what the data shows, and it's not what um, Hispanic voters told us in the election. Um, let me give you another example: a lot of Hispanic voters, especially along the border and in Texas, um, voted on national security and economic issues. So, law and order, very important. And a lot of those people that live along there, they have Hispanic surnames, sure, and I don't. They identify maybe in lots of different ways, but. Their loved ones and their family members work for the Border Patrol. And they don't want to be uh, sitting ducks 
uh, for illegal immigrants that are coming across and the coyotes and all of those problems. The second thing is, do you remember the major faux pas that Joe Biden made in that last debate in which he's talked about a transition from oil? The biggest, highest paying jobs in Texas, the most lucrative jobs, the ones that you want to get are in the oil fields. So, Dana, you're so uh, that is such a, a, a wise Professorial. Answer, no, in-depth <laughs> answer to Barack Obama. And what he just said, too, put undocumented Hispanics in cages. We all know those pictures were from his era. Yeah. We've been to the border. It got overwhelmed because the policies didn't work. Anybody who's – if you ask the president, the president that question, but right now, you know, border crossings are down 80 percent. You know, that wall that's being built is actually showing to be effective. And if you ask the people at the border what was happening, they had no choice. They were trying to – uh, to fix a system, they had to convert parking lots into tents, and they had to separate kids from adults. And those pictures, Mr. Former President, are, are from your administration. Mm-hmm. And I just think that for him to say that is almost as ham-handed as Joe Biden saying about African Americans. They think one way, but Hispanics, they're very diverse. You got Venezuelans, you got Puerto Ricans, and you got the Cubans. And then you got the Texans. How about this? They're Americans. I wish we get to that point. And I think we're uh, well. I think we're getting there. And I think the fact that the votes went this way this time around proves that. I really do. And there's a little bit of an uh, age gap in Hispanic voting, right? Where younger Hispanics uh, um, tended to be more in the Bernie Sanders camp. I don't even think they were necessarily Biden voters, but as they start to mature. Uh, and, and start their families, uh, their positions could change. And I think that what it tells future Republican candidates is that if you go and talk to the voters and beat them where they are and mm. talk about the issues that actually care about them and be very clear about that and follow through on your promises, you can win their vote. Can we pivot? Sure. Uh, probably the most interesting conversation to have and the most impactful conversation we could have is about the lockdown, the coronavirus, and the vaccine. A few weeks away, we begin to get the story of the vaccine. Uh, first responders, hospital workers are going to get it first. Then those over 65, we believe, the underlying conditions will get it second. Hopefully, teachers will be in the top five, get the kids back to school. Now, these small business owners, from gym owners to restaurant owners uh, to the deli and the dry cleaner, are all out of business. And they're being shut down because the virus is rising. When I see, I also want you to address the food lines. Because the food lines in Dallas, in Rhode Island, in, uh, in El Paso. Palm, in uh, Palm Beach yesterday in Florida. Palm Beach in Florida. For yeah. A lot of these people, for one of every five, first time they've ever been on a line waiting for food. You don't shut down their businesses. One out of four are not on that line. Right. Why exactly. can't politicians exactly. see the other side of that? Not only that, Brian, it's a, it's a really good point. And I do think I'm glad that the food pantries are starting to get a little bit more attention. Uh, it is easy to if you go to feedingamerica.org and then you can put in your zip code and you can find out how you can help in your local area. Um, it, it's something it's an America call, American call to action. Brian, there is no proof. And the L.A. County Health Department said this today. They do not have any data that says that outdoor dining spreads coronavirus. And yet. All the restaurants in California are now closed for three weeks. Why? California has beautiful weather. You can sit outside year-round. And a lot of these businesses have spent tons of money to try to make things safer, right? They made their outdoor seating nice. They've got the plexiglass, the, the like fake turf, maybe got some plants. And that's all sunk costs now. Yeah. And no one asked them. 
No. I mean, Dana, the way you do it, you sit down, you, you, these people, these mayors, these councilmen go, I need a restaurant association. We're going to have a meeting at 5 o'clock today. What is it going to take to open? Let them police themselves. And if things go up and they go high, just go, listen, I, have to, I can't abandon my business owners. Then say we have no tax revenue for the buses to run, for the subways to work. Really? So you need a handout from a government that's already running a deficit, and they can't even get together on money. So to me, the, the same game plan from March they're putting into play in November and it's destroying the same people again who are already mm. buried in debt and it, it's outrageous it's lazy and it's not backed by the science um, especially on the school point um, it, Dr. Redfield the head of the CDC says get the kids back in school there is not proof that them being in school is causing the spread in fact it's safer yeah. Uh, safer than doing that. And so, also, all those you saw this story today, all those kids are failing their online classes. Right. Uh, especially boys are having a harder time. Uh, can you imagine a third grader, though, just sitting there? No. Uh, okay, keep staring. So Chief Andrew, uh, Chef Andrew Gruel, he's the owner of Slapfish over in Los Angeles, was saying this, and he's so frustrated, cut 15. This is, as I said, crippling. I mean, and that's a light word for this. So the amount of people that are going to be laid off as a result of this, across all of our restaurants, we've seen sales immediately halt. I mean, it really was a screeching halt, even at the announcement about these new regulations. And now it's about, okay, well, sales are that slow. We've got to lay people off. I've seen, even in my general orbit, locally, at least 100 people I've heard of who have been laid off. And the question becomes, where's the support system, right? Where's the framework through which all of these people can then kind of bridge into the next step, which we don't even know what that is yet. And it's the holiday. So these are the L.A.'s numbers. Only 3% of all the cases in the entire state are from bars and restaurants. Yet indoor dining, outdoor dining has been stopped in its tracks. Right. So there's and that, uh, without the data, you know, I, I wish that the Congress and the president and the incoming president could all work together and get a, another round of that PPP money. Yeah. Um, because that can help the restaurants keep those people employed, because, as you said, Brian, we have light at the end of the tunnel. We can see that with these vaccinations, we're going to be able to get back to work. But we, these people need a bridge. I would just say like a bridge from here to there. And it's through no fault of their own. You can't even say, well, how do we save the banks and the people? The mortgage crisis is much harder because the people with the money lent the money deserve it the least. But they're the ones who are going to hand it out and going to be hurt. If they collapse, they're going to hurt these people even worse. This is a lot easier. Uh, And, you know, you got to write the check alone. It's a lot easier. And it's a much higher priority than canceling student loan debt, frankly, which is one of the things that the progressives really want to try to do next year. And I hear that that's much more complicated than you would think. Number it's a huge, oh my gosh, talk about a fight. I can't wait to have that fight. It's going to be a, but a federal government fight. We're not telling a bunch of banks to do it because the federal government actually took is that over. <laughs> is the bank. And if I'm 35 years old and I just made my last school loan payment, are you a sucker? I think about my niece who didn't have any spending money for six years. Right. And she worked so hard to pay that off. And now she's going to finish. Uh, she went to law school on a full ride scholarship. So she will finish that next May and have no debt. So, but she works so hard. She, and she didn't get a degree in gender studies. She, she got worked. a degree in cybersecurity. Right. Which actually you can get a job yeah. in. And whatever it is, if you go to Bursar, I don't know if that's still the term, but it was in my school. I, had, I would go to Bursar. I'd find out my debt uh, even when I was in school. And we knew it. And I feel bad sometimes because I had a 529 from um, the first I got married. I said, even if I could only put $50 into it, I did. 
So I feel like the college is just about paid for because I got a head, huge head start on it. And I almost feel as though I'm robbing the kids of sensing how much this actually is because the, it is so out of control. Because, you know, we don't have to have a student loan, but everybody else I talk to, not only a student loan, but a parent student loan. Yeah. That whole industry needs to be rethought. And the universities need to be taken in, um to task for the rise in tuitions. Look for schools that have lower tuitions. You'll get good jobs. I went to a state school. No problem. You uh, don't have to go to Harvard. And w- what happens is, too, is you go to state schools when you can't afford a private school. That's the way it goes. And now mm-hmm. state schools are much more prestigious than they were when I was in school because it's so affordable. The more prof- the professors kept coming. And they're tough to get into. And they're tough to get into. All right, so I want you to hear, I want to touch on what this Obama administration, what uh, the Biden administration is going to look like. <laughs> Mark Thiessen had this assessment, cut 28. One of the things that's interesting is this, this new Biden team is really the old Obama team. And that's the Obama team that failed to deliver Arab-Israeli peace deals that the Trump administration did. If they revert back to the 2016 uh, way of thinking on the Middle East, that peace goes through Ramallah, uh, that you can't, uh, that detente with Iran is the key to peace rather than an obstacle to peace uh, with Arab-Israeli peace, uh, then they're going to fail and they're going to, all this progress we're having will stop. Do you get that sense from seeing Anthony Blinken and those others out there, very familiar faces, that this is going to be very similar? To Biden, I mean, sorry, sorry to, Obama. to Obama. I I feel like President Trump has was so effective and changed things enough in enough places that I can't imagine that the United States government, under any administration going forward, is going to tell NATO they don't need to pay their fair share. I find that really hard to imagine. If and if they were to do that, that would take some that would take a lot of explaining to the American taxpayer. Um, I think that Mark makes a great point about the Middle East. I do anticipate that they'll try to do something with Iran. But again, I think that they're going to have to really try to explain that. Like, what are you changing and why? I, I, I think that it won't be as quick to change as before. And remember, also, there's something that's actually kind of interesting. Tony Blinken was against the Obama administration decision not to deal with ISIS at the time. And, to, and he actually praised President Trump for following through on going after Assad when he used chemical weapons. So he's he's not John Kerry. Uh, he's not Hillary Clinton. He actually has a little bit more of a hawkish view because he also believes in a lot more of a humanitarian thing. And he thought of, of that in that way. So it's a little bit different than Obama. Dana Perino coming up at two o'clock. And if you don't get enough over there and you won't be able to, you have to stick around for the five. And I'm filling in for Martha, too. <laughs> get out of here. Tonight at seven. Yeah. Fantastic. I have one of your schedules today. All right. Dana Perino, thanks so much. Back in a moment. show that's real this is the brian kilmeade show the thanksgiving that we celebrate every single year is based on the story between the mayflower pilgrims and the wampanoags it was the first harvest festival that the pilgrims had after they landed it does an injustice to what really happened and to the relationship that truly existed between wampanoag and the english settlers 
Wapanag is the American Indian uh, tribe that was there. They encountered the Mayflower, 101 on, on the Mayflower, comes across. They thought they were going to be in northern Virginia, end up in Cape Cod, right around the Massachusetts area, obviously. And the, what they did to stay alive, even though 50 died that first year, and what the Wampanoag was able to do, it was one of the worst winters ever. It's going to be a Fox Nation special. If you want to know, 40 minutes, especially if you have to be alone, sadly, because of your ridiculous governors, uh, if you have to be alone or you want to be just careful because you're somebody with pre-existing conditions or older, if you want to see 40 minutes to understand what happened, this is a great special. It's called a very, uh, it's a very nation Thanksgiving. So, Brian, you, yes. you sort of nailed the Wampanoag when you were just speaking now, but I feel like we should give our listeners a little behind the scenes of what it was like when you were tracking it in the first few takes. The ones thriving Wampanoag. The ones thriving Wampanoag. The ones thriving Wampanoag. <laughs> Once known to the Wampong, once known to the Wampanoag as Poxnet Village. Once known to the Wampanoag as the Poxtucket. Once known to the Wampanoag as the Poxtucket Village. Once known to the All right, Wampanoag. We get the idea. That was terrible. <laughs> oh, it's awful. But Brian, but you th- did you finally nail it though? Because then we also heard this this morning on Fox and Friends. By the Native Americans at the time, the Wampog Indians. Wampanoag did in the It's tough, man. It's not my favorite try. I'm more of an Iroquois Apache guy. That yeah, was really... Dog. Let's find out if there's even more to know. More to know. Peloton customers are canceling. You know why? Not because we have a vaccine, but they're tired of waiting. Fans of the 2,000 exercise bicycles have been uh, publicly griping on Twitter and even defecting to rival equipment makers thanks to Peloton's ability to get a handle on its delays. The stock is going through the roof, though its ridership has doubled since the pandemic began to lock down in March. The demand has also created a logjam of uh, of sorts. One customer in New Hampshire ordered 4,565 Peloton treadmill at the beginning of August and demanded a refund after waiting seven weeks for the equipment to arrive. But, Brian, do you think that's partially because, too, they're now coming out with new equipment? Like, I know they have a new treadmill coming out that's, you know, aimed at more apartments. To maybe yeah, feel like yeah I think and get the upgrade. They also have an app, and the floor exercises are great. So it's worth, you know, you're paying every, every month. But I feel bad for the people that can't afford a Peloton, and then they have their gyms closed. Uh, believe me, the frustration is through the roof. Uh, but I agree. I will come say, on, Peloton, okay. get it together. Agreed. I will say this, though, Brian. There are some really awesome workout apps out there besides Peloton that are cheaper. Um, so it's sort of a good time to uh, be imaginative with your workouts. All right. Next. The Friends reunion, which I don't want to see, but everybody else does. HBO's Max is doing it. It's postponed to, guess it, coronavirus is now scheduled to film at the beginning of March, according to a cast member named Matthew Perry, whose weight fluctuates like nobody else. It helps like, uh, it looks like uh, we'd have a busy year coming up, he tweeted. Are you amazed? Did anyone do anything after Friends of Note? Oh, Jennifer Aniston's been in a ton of great movies, Brian. Ton of movies, not been great movies. She's still famous. No, Horrible Bosses was great. Um, Pete can chime in here too, but she's been in some pretty funny Oh, what's funny the ones? one with Vince Vaughn, Pete? Where they break up and they oh, have... Oh, is that what she she pretends to be a, a, a she, she pretends or she's a stripper and they and he uses her as a, a as a pretend girlfriend or wife? Is that the one you're thinking of? Nope. Okay. That's a different one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he's talking about. What are you talking about? No, there's no, you're one talking stripper. about the the meet the someone's. It's also with Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, is it Miller's? Meet the Millers. Meet the Millers. Yes, yes. it's very yeah. funny. Yeah, that looks kind of weird. 
Uh, I like the one with Vince Vaughn better. So, Pete, you are no help at all. Unbelievable. Yeah, she's not on my uh, list of uh, actresses that I follow. Right. Everyone likes her, but no one marries her. Next, Dave Chappelle just flexed his industry muscle. He did something very few people do. He told Netflix to pull down his Comedy Central sketch show. Apparently, Dave posed the question on Netflix, and the honchos either agreed with him or just wanted to keep him happy. Either way, Chappelle is off the platform. So that goes to show you he's an artist. He wants to be paid. He does, even though his contract with CBS said they could stream it wherever they want without paying him additional money. But when he called up Netflix, they didn't want to tick him off, so they obliged. Next, let's talk Jeopardy. Ken Jennings wants his Grammy nomination uh, to go to Alex Trebek. I guess he voiced over Alex Trebek's memoir. The answer is Reflection on My Life. It was released in July. So he gets an Emmy nomination. He says give it to Alex. Also nominated Rachel Maddow uh, for her book. Uh, also nominated Meryl Streep and Ronan Farrow for Catch and Kill. Not nominated me, even though my book company put my, me up for that for Sam Hughes and the Alamo Avengers. Shocker. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.